You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Stories That Sell. Today, I have with me Brian Wright. He is a writing coach, a radio show host, a, and a magazine publisher who helps people share their message with the world and monetize their experience. Can't wait to get into this one. Welcome to the show, Brian. Scott, thank you so much for having me here. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is. And I just met you, what was it, a week and a half ago, two weeks yeah. ago? It's just recently, and we met in in Fort Worth yeah. at an event that we were at, yeah. and you told me you you said something to the nature of Ghostwriter, and I was like, "Whoa, cool! Let's talk." Yeah. <laughs> How long you been doing this? I've been doing the ghostwriting for probably about six years. I started uh, when I loved writing as a kid. I've always loved writing as a kid. You know, when I was in study hall in elementary school, I would just write stories from TV shows that I was watching at the time, whether it was Lost in Space, whether it was underdog cartoons or whatever it was. And then I uh, took a creative writing co uh, class in college. I minored in English and majored in communication studies at Iowa State University. Ended up with my master's degree in adult education from Nebraska. And while I was in Lincoln, I taught at a two-year business college called Lincoln School of Commerce. So I taught English composition and public speaking and business math. So I helped other people learn how to write their papers. And from there, I realized, you know what? I can, I can help people write their books. So that's how, that's I, that's awesome. how I started that. I, yeah. So have you authored your own books? Let's talk, let's, let's unwrap the, the journey a little bit yeah, for I've, our listeners. And then I have all sorts of questions to ask because this is intriguing to me. It's actually something that yep. I've thought about a lot because I don't want to write a book, but I want to have a book. Yep. I want to write a book, but I don't want to write a book. Yep. So we're going to get there, yep. but let's, let's unravel the story of how we got to that place. Sure. Well, book no rate is coming out probably in October. So I've been doing this a little while, What's, but uh, yeah, yeah it, it was really cool before I had a paid client. I just started declaring, this is what I do. I'm a ghostwriter. I'm a writing coach. And I, I wasn't charging that much because Number one, I wanted to get somebody to say yes. And number two, I didn't have a portfolio and I just wasn't clear about what I was really worth. And I've gotten a lot yeah. better the more I've done it. But the very first person who agreed to work with me says, hey, Brian, I want you to, to coach me. I don't have money and you don't have a portfolio. Will you coach me for free in exchange for a brilliant testimonial? I said, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And he was a great student. He wrote his first draft in probably 11 days, gave me feedback. And I gave him his feedback, right? I gave him feedback about his book and then he went with it and I referred him to a publishing friend and his book came out, you know, probably six, seven years ago. And then people started slowly saying yes to me. And now I've got hmm. a lot of people that I'm working with right now. And it's really great. I'm busy. I'm never, ever bored. That's a good problem to have. Now, this first guy, was it a guy? Yes. That you did wrote? Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
You said 11 weeks? Or 11 days, excuse me. He wrote his, his first Ele- No, 11, 11 days. days. 11 days. Ser- Seriously, yeah, he was wrote this like person 25, a, a, a writer? Words in 11 days because he, well, he lived in San Diego at the time. His uh-huh. girlfriend at the time did a girl's weekend in Las Vegas and he was home with the dog and it was raining in San Diego. So he had nothing better to do. So he decided to write and he cranked it out. When does it ever, when does it ever rain in San Diego? Hardly ever. I guess, right. <laughs> right. So it was like kismet for him. It was like meant to be. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, let's kind of step back a little bit into like ghost writing itself. Mm-hmm. There might be some listeners like, wait a minute, I've never heard that term. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and just kind of lay that out yeah. for us? So right. everybody understands what it is we're talking about. So a ghostwriter helps somebody write their book without taking credit for it. Lots of celebrities and politicians do this. When Trump wrote the art of the deal, he didn't sit at his typewriter and do this. His secretary would ride around in the back of the limo with him and she would shorthand notes that he was, he was just talking and she would shorthand what he was saying and then put it in a book and then type it out and show it to him. And he would suggest changes and add things and whatever he needed to do. And the resulting book was the art of the deal, which was a great book. And it was a very, very popular book to a lot of people bought it. But a lot of people who are that busy don't write their books. They just simply don't have time. Other people don't write their own books because they don't think they're great writers. And other people don't write books because they're concerned that no one will read what they've had to say or that they don't feel like they have something legitimate to say. And I think all of those things are untrue. I think everyone has a message. I think everyone has something to share. And I would argue that the longer you wait to write your book, the longer that someone needs you does not get to experience your brilliance. Yeah, this is this is really interesting. So what would you Bryson and I, my son and I were actually talking about this and he's like, well, what's a ghostwriter? And we were talking and I'm, I'm like, I, I think actually a lot of people don't really write their books. Mm-hmm. They just give ideas to somebody and then that person turns them in the book. What would you say? like the percentage of these books that most people, these self-help books or personal growth books or business books, what, what, what would you guess is the percentage are helped or fully written by a ghostwriter? I don't have data on that, but what I can tell you is that uh, according to a New York times article about 20 years ago, over 80% of people want to write a book, but I can also tell you that fewer than 1% actually do. So there's a wow. lot of wannabes out there or people who think about it and dream about it, but never, most of them don't ever actually do anything about it. And I think the people that do it have a lot of reasons to do it. They want to create a legacy or they want to leverage the book in their business somehow, or they maybe get tired of answering questions. How did you do this? And so they just wrote it down and said, buy my book. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll save yeah. us both a lot of yeah. time. No kidding. Well, I would think that that percentage would of people who want to write a book has is on a rise because of the, I mean, there's eBooks, there's Amazon, and there's self published things now that really didn't exist ten years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. So, if somebody does go about going through, you know, a service like yours, talking to a ghostwriter, or getting someone to help them out as a coach, or all of the above, uh. Like, what's the barrier of entry? I'm, I'm not talking about your fee, right. but as far as like getting a book out there and, and, you know, being sold. I think what stops a lot of people is they're just too busy in their own worlds 
So mm-hmm. they tell themselves they don't have time. Something will always happen in life. Family things will come up. Personal things will come up. Business things will come up. There is never a perfect time. The perfect time to write your book was right. yesterday, last year, 10 years yeah. ago. Because where would your life and your business be now if you had written your book 10 years ago? Time will pass anyway. So write your book. Yeah, I have extensive notes. I don't know if I ever told Bryson this. I have extensive notes. And um, this is one of those regret things. I have. I took time and wrote notes. And it's just all outlines with as many notes as I could to write a book called The, uh, the Manual for the Emerging Man. Mm. And my whole, my whole idea was to give it to my son, Bryson, when he turned 18. Now I'm late. He's 18 already. And I didn't do it, but I did take the time. I would be out walking and I just take notes. Oh my gosh, I should talk about a handshake and I should talk about how to handle conflict. And I should talk about how to, you know, what to do if you're going to start a business, all these things that a young man might want to like engage in and that would help him with success. And it just scared the crap out of me, Brian. I mean, I was just like, no one will buy this. It's dumb. I don't have the best ideas. Um, I don't know, even know how like to sit down and write, you know, the 18 mini chapters. It was just going to be like a manual. It wasn't going to be like a, you know, like you buy someone for graduation. I would say that book is valuable because there are a lot of young fathers who are wondering, how do I teach my kids the things they need to know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I run a group called the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. So it kind of fell, (laughs) kind of fell in line, but, but I am what you're talking about. I have this regret. I set this goal for myself. I didn't hit the goal because I had too many questions about my ability to do that. So if someone like me to come to you and say, Hey, Brian, help me out. What does that process look like? Cause I, it's very unknown to me. I, I can't even imagine how that works. Well, we, first of all, gain some clarity around what you want your book to be about. And we gain mm-hmm. some clarity around what you want your book to be used for. I mean, are you looking just to share your legacy with someone else? Are you looking to leverage it in your business? Are you looking to get speaking opportunities? Are you looking to have people hire you to be a coach? Are you asking people to sign up to an event that you're speaking at? Are you just simply adding to your mail list? But what do you want to have happen because someone read your book? A lot of people think the book is the the, the end, but it's the beginning of something really wonderful. Because think about mm. this. Your favorite artist hopefully has more than one album. Don't, don't they hope that you buy everything else you do after they do after that? Absolutely. So what do you want to have happen next? You want to create a following. You want to create a movement with whatever you're doing. Okay. So, so you just named off of probably like four career paths that really need a book. So you, you talked about like coaching, um, speaking, probably selling products or a service. Um, where, where it's the most common for you, where are people coming from? I think a lot of people that I'm working with want to get on stage or they want to generate more leads Mm. for their business. They want to get more clients. And of course it depends on what your book is about. I've got a client who runs a plumbing business. And at first we were going to do his book about how to do stuff, like the simple things you can fix before you need to call me kind of book. But then he realized yeah. after a while, you know, people can look this stuff up on YouTube. Why do they need to write, read my mm-hmm. book? So he decided to pivot. He wants it to be more of a philosophy of how he does business, a core values book, uh, how to create a customer experience, how to be memorable, 
how do you how do you how do you create a, mom, a plumbing business that's memorable? How do you get people to come back to you? It's by creating experience. It's about the way you treat your customers. It's about going above and beyond. So that's what his book is probably going to be about. And is that more like a legacy project? Like I know I've done this thing and I've done it well and I want to share and move mm -hmm. this on. Or, right. I mean, I can't imagine a plumber saying, a guy owning a plumbing company saying, this is going to get me business. Yeah. Well, think about this. If you're vetting three different plumbers and it's not a true emergency where you basically have to take the first person who calls you back, you're probably going to interview two or three people. Now, if one of those mm -hmm. three people has a book, wouldn't you automatically assume that he must know what he's doing? He has to yeah, be talking it, about it. He wrote a book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a credibility That's piece a, at that point. It's a huge credibility piece. So he like that when that guy is when he's done, that should be on his website, mm -hmm. like as a big old bubble saying author of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I recently completed a book for a guy who runs a roofing company. And several of his clients bought his book. And then he came out to an appointment and they said, I bought your book. Will you sign it? It was pretty surreal for him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it all, it, it can almost give you a little bit of like a, um, a star, a star, star like a power. feeling that you celebrity power. Yeah. Yeah. You get, yeah. Yeah. So what's the biggest challenge when working with people? Like what's the biggest mindset thing that you have to work with? Let's say if I were to come with you and you kind of like, okay, I know, these are some of the things that we're going to um, get that are going to get in the way that we got to address. I think sometimes people have imposter syndrome. They, mm -hmm. they start to feel a little unworthy and I have to remind them that, you know what, there are people not as smart as you who have written books. There are people not as educated as you who have written books. There are people that you might not think are as successful as you that have written books, but they did it. So if they can do it, why can't you? And then the other piece too, is to think about how your life can change because you have a book. Now, am I promising you're going to sell a million copies? No, I can't make that promise. The average book sells about 250 copies and that's it in its entire lifetime. So it's about marketing your book and getting seen. That's why doing some of these other things like speaking on stage, getting an event planner to buy a copy of every book, uh, every, for every person in your audience. You know, if you're speaking to a group of 100 people and you give the event planner a discounted rate of maybe $8 a book, that's an extra $800 for you. And that's an extra 100 copies sold. That's 100 more people that you're going to impact. In addition to all the people that pass their book out, because I mean, I'm sure the average book gets read by two or three people. You know, one copy sitting in house yeah. is going to probably get read by more than one person if you're in a household, if you're in a family. So you have an opportunity to impact yeah, a lot I know of my... people. So I would get out of your own way and just say, do it. And when you're guided by someone who's experienced like myself, it becomes a lot easier to do that. Yeah. I was just thinking about the ROI on, you know, paying for someone like you to come in coach and then also do the ghost writing and only selling 250 books. But that doesn't seem like that's really where you measure the ROI is in no. the sale of books. No, it's in the impact. It's about getting your name known. And it's about mm -hmm. leveraging these other revenue streams because you're not going to get rich selling just your book. If that's all you're thinking about, then eh, you're not thinking big enough. But if you're coaching, okay. yeah, uh, it's great. I mean, some of my books are collaborative books where other people have paid a little bit to chip in a chapter. And sometimes that's where people like to start is if they don't think they have an entire book in them, they certainly have a chapter. 
And so they become part oh, that's of a very collaborative book effort. And I do a lot of these. And then some people decide to write their full-blown book after they've done that. They talk to me about how they can work with me one-on-one. Okay, so that's sometimes that's a really good way in. I was just thinking when you said that, immediately like three names came to mind. Like we could write a really cool book. I could write a really cool book in collaboration with him, 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 and him. And now we have this this power of all these different perspectives mm-hmm. and different skill sets. And it's it's probably benefiting all of us. Yeah. And we're, yeah. Yeah, see, just even talking to you and hearing all of the different options that are available and, and the different twist on it. I have a I have a question. Uh, funny as a podcaster, I, I I prefer interviewing people, and I've never felt like a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have stories. I just never felt like a good storyteller. So I think that was one of the things that stopped me is like, what things do I say? What don't I say? So does someone need to be a good storyteller to have a good book? Stories do sell, so it does help to have stories. Uh, hiring yeah. someone to help you certainly will help craft that story. But here's the thing that I've learned about storytelling. You don't want to always look like the hero in your story. The most compelling stories are the ones where you learn something, which means mm. you might have screwed up. You might need to be vulnerable about something. I mean, in, I'm really in good one of that. my recent books, <laughs> in one of my recent books, I talked about one of the greatest lessons I learned from being an entrepreneur was hiring the wrong clients by being so desperate for money that I didn't care who that person was. And I learned there are people that should not be in your circle. And there are people that you should not let hire you because you'll just be miserable if you do. Yeah. Such a great thing to hear today. When I lost a client who I never wanted in the first place and Mm -hmm. it was ugly. Right. And it's like, I didn't want this person in the first place. So it's such an emotional toll that, it's an, it's a hard lesson. Yeah. In fact, I had a, had someone like that, that I talked to, I think it was last Friday, last Thursday or Friday. And he wanted to talk to me about coaching him. And he asked a lot of questions, which I don't mind, but the kinds of questions he was asking me were raising some red flags. I think he was trying to give himself mm. out. He was asking what happens if I don't, if we don't work out well together, uh, right. And you know, those kinds of things, he was looking for an excuse. He, he wasn't, I don't think he was looking for a commitment. I think he was looking for a way to get out of it. If things went sideways, well, then if you're concerned about that, then either a, I didn't do a good job of explaining myself and who I am and what I do or B, we're just not a great fit. And he emailed me last night saying, I've decided to work with someone else. That's awesome. That's one less difficult conversation I have to have. Great. Yeah, those are always red flag conversations when they're already asking about the out before they've even started. Yeah. You're like, yeah. One of, yeah. one of his questions yeah. was how, because he wanted me to edit his book too. One of his questions was about fact checking and uh, protecting against plagiarism. Well, it's your book. You're the content expert. That is your job. Right. It's your job. Yeah. It's not mine. Yeah. Take responsibility. Yeah, I'm not a content expert in your field. So how am I going to fact check anything? And how am I going to know whether you plagiarized something or not? That's not my responsibility. Right. Unless I'm the writer. So yeah, you have, how many books have you authored yourself and sold under your own name? Seven. And number eight is coming next month. Okay. So tell me about, I mean, I'm sure there's a wide variety of topics here. 
I'd be curious yeah. to hear what those are. My first book came out in 2009. That was a student leadership book. So that was geared toward, you know, high schooler, college age, and it was leadership about how to be become hmm. uh, an effective leader on, on campus at school. My next book, some of my next books were curated from content on my radio show. So I interview brilliant people and I curate and edit content from those interviews and compile them into books. So the second book was about sales and um, uh, mastery and, and influence, mental toughness. And then I had a couple books called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 1 and 2. Volume 1 was published with Morgan James Publishing. And then I did a book called The Greatest wow. Lessons Learned from My Dad. And I wrote that after my dad passed last year. And then, of course, I had to do The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Mom. And now in the middle of a three-book series called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur. Volume 1 came out last month. Volume 2 comes out next month. And Volume 3 will come out before the end of the year. Wow. That's a lot of books. So that'll be nine by the time the, this year's over with. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your distribution? Are you, are you distributing through Amazon? Yeah, Amazon. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And how's that experience been? Is that something somebody should be scared of or is it pretty simple to, to get that it's rolling? It's pretty simple. Now the process of uploading a book to Amazon, I just source that out because I just don't want to deal with it. I think it's a good idea yeah. to source out the things that you can pay somebody less than your time is worth to do it. Right. Every, yeah. That is a, something I feel incredibly strong about. Mm -hmm. Um, having owned a VA company, it's a virtual assistant company. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, I understand what your, your real value is. Your real value is not uploading your real value. Brian is writing and helping people write, exactly. helping people through that process. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what, what is the, what is the the timeline like for most people? I doubt most people can rip something out in 11 days like your very first client. So let's yeah. let's look through like an average timeline, an average process that you go yeah. through. With I somebody. tell people to expect about six months-ish. It could be less, it could be mm -hmm. more depending on how much you have to say, depending on my workload, depending on if I'm wrapping up other people's projects in that same time frame. But it's, it's not, okay. it's not a, a thing that's going to happen in two weeks. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not writing your high school term paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which probably took me about 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. and sometimes people ask me, well, how long will my book be? I don't know you well enough to answer that. I don't know how much you plan on saying. Now, that being said, is there that being said, most of my clients books are in the neighborhood of 100 ish to 150 ish pages long. That was what I was going to ask. Is there kind of a number that you really like to look for? And then is there a genre that you really stick in? Or are you personal, kind of all over the place? Personal developments in business is okay. usually where I play. All right. I don't do fiction. Yeah. I don't want to help you write your romance novel. You don't want to do a 2000 page romance novel? No, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to like, for someone like me, yeah. I think I'm just going to use myself because I can relate to myself. Right. Someone like me that's like always had this thought, I've got the idea of this emerge, manual for an emerging man. I don't know what the title would be. That's just kind of like what hit my head. Um, what do I need to do to really 
get myself aligned and in, in place to work with you. So there's somebody out there. I'm sure many listeners have put in their head, I want to write a book. Yeah. We all have a story we want to share. We all have a message that we think we know. Mm-hmm. And I know that imposter sim- syndrome is a very big deal. That is an incredibly big deal. What, what, what's some advice? Just, just go ahead and give me four or five pieces of advice that you think everybody needs to hear that's going to kind of just push them into the right direction. Yeah. It's not as hard as you think it might be because chances are you might be able to use content that you've already created. For example, Mm. I have a client who did seven Facebook lives around a singular general topic area and we crafted her book from those seven Facebook lives. Now we still did interviews anyway to add to those ideas, but that's Mm -hmm. the genesis of what it all started with was seven Facebook lives. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, before he wrote his first book, I interviewed him as my 100th episode on Success Profiles Radio. I asked him, what made you decide to write a book? He says, I never actually ever decided to do that. I decided to write a blog about all the stupid things salespeople do. And when I had 100 blog entries, I realized I have a book. I have another client whose expertise is helping people get clients from LinkedIn. He had a course, so we converted his course to a book, which then in turn redirected people outside of his world toward his course. So it was a pretty brilliant idea. Now, the interesting challenge there was his course was visual and I had to write it in such a way that someone didn't need to see what I was talking about in order to to get what I was talking about. That was a fun and interesting challenge. So chances are you may have some content that you've already created that you might be able to use. And that might be a place to start. Well, there's so many people, especially entrepreneurs, uh, small business owners, and coaches are doing podcasts. I try to tell everybody who isn't that they need to start. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, I you just made me, I I just thought of, I'm like, man, you could probably write three books from the podcast recordings I've done, like just right. lessons learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much as a, lessons learned as a father or lessons learned, you know, as a son. I mean, there's like, I, I can think of four books right now. Yeah. Like just off of the topics we've covered consistently over that. I have a client in the real estate industry who was doing a real estate podcast and every week she talked about a different topic. And so every episode was the basis for a chapter and we had 21 chapters in her book. So wow. she already created the wow. content. She just needed someone to present it in a readable form. And obviously mm-hmm. the, the podcast was unedited. It was pretty raw. It was just, you know, talking into a microphone and it was basically a conversation between her and her husband and and somebody else. And so I had to get the general ideas. I couldn't go a he said, he said, he said, she said kind of format. So I had to extrapolate the main ideas and just write down what they were saying or the gist of what they were saying and craft that into a book. But yes, you can do that. I mean, I've done almost 500 episodes of my show. Some of my books are edited episodes from my book and I've compiled them and there will probably Mm -hmm. be another one of those coming up sometime next year. But yeah, I've got lots of ideas for books that I haven't written. And in terms of the big story, I still haven't told that yet. What I do though, is I share parts of my story in my books as they relate to the ideas that I'm already presenting, but I haven't done a straight autobiography yet. Wow. Yeah. So there's, just untapped potential basically in anybody who's talking or putting out content Mm -hmm. in any style. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you just sparked about however many listeners there are probably were like, Oh, 
like I can do a book. That would be awesome. I think I, I'm going to say imposter syndrome is probably one of the biggest enemies yeah. like, and, and seeing and, and thinking you have to be perfect. You have to know how to write, but imposter syndrome is a real thing. You know, you've, you've obviously talked with a lot of people, a lot of successful people having a show that's called Su success profile radio profiles, radio, mm -hmm. and having a lot of episodes. Mm -hmm. Is that been something that's come up over the years in that, it's come in up that some. show? Absolutely. I think yeah. one, one thing to think about, and this might sound radical, but imposters don't have imposter, imposter syndrome because they don't care. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The people who believe they have imposter syndrome are actually trying to make a difference in the world. And they're maybe afraid that maybe someone might figure out that they're not as brilliant as they want to be. But you know what? Mm -hmm. I, I really, really do believe that real imposters don't have imposter syndrome at all. So the fact that you're thinking about that or dealing with it is probably a clue that you are actually in the right direction. And I think it's a lie I that the devil is telling you to keep you from your greatness. So focus yeah. on the things that you can focus on and leave the rest alone. That's really good. It's really good advice. And it's also affirmation mm -hmm. like, Oh, just because I'm worried about it, which I have been multiple times, especially in the fatherhood, you know, you, you I believe, and my son's a producer of this, so he's listening to this. I believe that I have been a, a good father. I believe that I've had a lot of room for growth and messed a lot of things up as well. That's mm -hmm. why I do what I do. But that leads to this. I'm worried. I do. I know enough to help other people. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, that's really, that's, that's really affirming to me. And it, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that way. Are there, so you talked about getting speaking, speaking roles. Mm -hmm. And I kind of see how that's really symbi symbiotic because you can say, Hey, I'm going to come speak. You can buy a cop, you know, X amount of copies of my books so that helps sell books. It helps get your message out there, gets your name out there. Is, is that one of the most powerful parts of writing a book is the kind of the connection with speaking? Yeah. It is because people will think you're a celebrity, whether it's true or not, is completely up to you and up to them, but people will afford a, a celebrity status to you. If you've written a book, I did my student leadership book and I spoke at a few schools in the Phoenix area. I was living down there at the time. And one school bought 55 copies of my book for their honors English classes. And I spoke to every single mm -hmm. class one day. And before I got there, the teacher discussed my book with all the students in all of her classes. And so at the end of every class, I did a book signing and some of them had highlighted, some wow. of them had written notes in the margin. Some people were asking me questions about the content of the book. It was really surreal. It's like these people actually were paying attention and it was really cool. Yeah. Another school I spoke at invited me back several months later to speak at their commencement. I had 15 minutes to speak to their graduates. That was cool. So opportunities can spin from that. So the book happened and then speaking happened because of that. And then more speaking opportunities and more book sales happened because of that. That sounds really symbiotic. It is. Um, I'm curious about your history in education. I was a teacher for 15 years in public education, middle school. I taught middle school. I created and taught a leadership course. So I'm like listening to you and you talked about writing a book about student leadership and how to, how to be a leader in your campus. Where does that stem from? Where's, where, what's the source of you doing that? I, I think for me, when I look at leadership in this country, and I'm not looking to get political at all, but I, I think there's a lot of bad leadership on both sides. 
people are, yeah. are looking to fill their own pockets and fulfill their own needs. And they're not there to serve the people that, that elected them or hired them. And I want to empower a generation of people who are willing to take responsibility for who they are and what they're doing, who want to great, make a great impact and who want to create a legacy, not only for themselves, but for other people and to pay mm -hmm. it forward. I mean, I think there's really a ripple effect when I impact one person's life, that person then has a chance to impact another person's life and it keeps going, keeps going. And I think we'll be very surprised at the very end of all of this to find out how many people's lives we actually touched because of the things that we did. Your book can touch so many lives and you won't know who they all are. Your book might get passed around three different times before the person who really, really needs to see it explodes onto the scene because they took an idea that you had and expounded upon yeah. and took the time to share. Some people might be motivated by yeah. your story if you've had a very difficult journey. Some people might quit taking drugs because of your recovery story. People might realize that if they've been in prison four times, I'll never see my kids again if I don't get stuff straight. So again, like I mentioned earlier, the longer you take to share your message, the longer that person who really, really needs you won't get to experience you and your brilliance. Write your book. Wow, that's a really, really strong statement. I believe it. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it. I know so many people that have such great gifts mm -hmm. inside of them. And I mean, it's even hard to get them to talk on a podcast yeah. because they just don't feel it. And, you know, you can always look back and like, if I have the, if I impact the way I see it for maybe my brotherhood, a fatherhood group or that podcast is like, if, if there's one guy who changes this tra trajectory and doesn't leave his family in the dust, who, who, who steps up and is like, Hey, I've been a horrible husband. I've been a horrible father. I admit it. And I want to grow. If there's one guy I can, I can impact over years of content and that's worth it. And I think that's the way we need to see everything that we do. Right. Because especially with fatherhood, if you impact your child's life and they grow up to have their own children, you're impacting generations. I do believe that generational blessings exist. Uh, yeah, I do too. And I think that's, it can be in any topic really. I mean, think about if you have a, a book about weight loss yeah. or a book about health and fitness, like maybe you're adding 10, 15 years to someone's life and maybe that change is what changes the future. See, I think you could tie that connection to anything. Mm -hmm. So you're right. That, that message you have is a gift to mm -hmm. the future and present people. Right. So that's, that's a really cool way to think about yeah. it. And if you, I want you to just kind of, um, kind of wrap this up. Tell us, uh, tell us about you, your service, like where we can find you, like sell yourself because I'm sold, okay. you know, I'm sold. We already talked. Yes. Um, and I absolutely love what you do because for me, and I think probably for many people, we see this huge blockade and we're like, I can't get over that. And you're like sitting here with a big sledgehammer saying, let me knock that down mm -hmm. for you. <laughs> it's really cool. So tell us more about how we can find you. And I know you're really active on Facebook. I love interacting with you on Facebook. You're very interactive. It's very fun. So that's one place, of course. Yeah. I'm on Facebook, Brian K. Wright. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. And my website is writeabookforyou.com. It's all spelled out. Write is that your last name? You.com. And you can see what I do and you'll see testimonials mm -hmm. from happy clients and you will see a segment, a YouTube, it's on YouTube, but you'll see a segment from when I was on the list, which is a nationally syndicated TV show. And I talk about three things you need to know to get started writing your book right now. 
And at the very bottom is a link to my calendar. And if you want to just go directly to my calendar, you can go to callwithbrian.com. Yeah, that's awesome. I have that sitting on my on my to-do list is to book that call with you. Um, and I would, I would <laughs> yeah, I would encourage anybody who's listening to this that even has an inkling. I've met Brian in person. I've interacted with Brian. I'm going to put my massive stamp of approval, whether that means anything to you or not, but it means a lot to me. And I think he's an amazing human. He really cares. Um, and so that's really exciting to me. And Brian, um, for the listeners, all those links are going to be in the show notes oh, in the podcast show notes and in the description of the YouTube video. So this is always posted on YouTube. Um, but so if you're listening or watching this, you, you know, you can find it. It's super simple. Check out, check out Brian's stuff, totally worth following him. And I would suggest you book a call because we all have a story to tell. And, um, I think we have a duty to, to share with the world, what we've learned and what we know. Mm -hmm. Brian, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Scott, for having me. It's been fun. Hey, everybody, make sure you do that. Go go check out Brian. Go see what he's got going on. Book a call with him. I know he's a busy guy, so it may not be an availability for very long because there's only so many people he can help at once. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure you do the subscription thing. Hit that subscribe button. And uh, if you enjoyed it, leave us a review because that helps a ton. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.